This is Reflection, and I'm your host, Ed Blonsky. We all reflect the things that are most important in our lives. And the things that shine the brightest on our lives are reflected the brightest in our lives. On this podcast, I have conversations with people in whom God has made a difference and equipped them to make a difference in other people's lives and in this world. And this is how they reflect God through their lives. My goal is that you be encouraged to see how God can use you and how you can reflect him to change the lives of others in this world. I will also occasionally reflect on a question or a topic submitted to me about Jesus, the church, and living in this life as a follower of Jesus. The Reflection Podcast comes to you from St. Matthew Lutheran Church in the northwest suburbs of Chicago, and I'm on the pastoral staff here. Stay tuned to find out how you can connect with St. Matthew. Thank you for joining me today. Now, let's see who's joining me in the pastor's office today. In the pastor's office today with me is Ryan Ferguson. Thanks for joining me today, Ryan. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're looking forward to this because Ryan is a new pastor, uh, but also new to St. Matthew as well. So there's a lot of new stuff going on. So I thought, what a great way to, to um, kind of get an, an insight into what it means to be a pastor uh, in the church in the 21st century. So uh, I'm looking forward to our conversation this morning or this afternoon, depending on when anybody's watching this. So why don't you uh, give our listeners a, a kind of an introduction to yourself, who you are and where you are from. So I'm uh, Ryan Ferguson. I'm originally from Southern California. So the easiest way to find me on the map is if you find Palm Springs, I'm on the other side of the mountains in the low desert. So right now, as we're recording this, my hometown is in a heat warning, and there's a number of fires going on. So uh, I'm originally from Southern California. I graduated from Concordia, Irvine in 2019. I went to Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, and uh, I went to I was on Vicarage last year, which is like an internship for those aren't familiar with it. I was uh, a vicar out at uh, St. Lawrence in uh, Frankenmuth, Michigan, and then I just recently graduated from Concordia Seminary, St. Louis, and my first call here is St. Matthew. That's awesome. So a little bit of a difference between Southern California and Central, East Central Michigan, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but I love it. When I met with uh, Dr. Nielsen, who's the placement director or for Vicarage at the time, he asked me where I wanted to go. I was like, Midwest. And so when call day came, of course, it was very subdued because it was COVID times, and they announced Michigan, and they were like Frankenmuth, Michigan. I'm like, oh boy, I'm going to wait. Where is this place? So, <laughs> if you look on my Facebook page after a call day, my buddy Brandon Betcher, he's from Michigan, and there's a picture of me standing there with this deer in the headlights look, and he's holding his hand like this, like you're going here, <laughs> like so. Everybody from Michigan will always tell you, yep, that's the Lower Peninsula type of thing, and that's that's how they get there. I know, I know the wet, the area well. My wife and I love to go to Frankenmuth every year. We started going. My first year in the ministry was in Western Michigan, so that's when we uh, uh, had uh, discovered Frankenmuth. But of course, for our listeners, some of you may be thinking, "Where have I heard the name Frankenmuth before?" Well, if you know anything about Christmas, you have heard of Frankenmuth because of Bronner's Christmas Wonderland. It's a wonderful place to go to, and. Um, 
get all your Christmas stuff and very good. So uh, let me uh, jump right in with a with a, a pretty big question. Why did you become a pastor? Well, that's a great question, and it tells a lot about my past and what I've kind of been through, and it's led me uh, to this moment. So um, I, 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 I was raised in the church, baptized, raised LCMS. I've seen the wide spectrum of Lutheran. I, it's been fun. Like, I ended up Missouri Senate, but my grandparents on my mom's side are Wells, and then on my dad's side of the family, they're uh, ELCA. There's a very conservative church in Nebraska that they attend. I've gone a couple times. But I uh, grew up in the church. Big, uh, It was strong in the youth program, big thing in VBS, you name it, and I did it as a, as a kid. And uh, when I was a, I think I was a junior in high school, I got to go to the National Youth Gathering when they had it in Orlando, Florida, because of Hurricane Katrina. And on the last night of the uh, closing, Dr. Kishnick was then president of the Senate, and he made a surprise appearance because he wasn't supposed to be there. He had other church business going on at the time. And he came on stage and he, he told us gathered, he said, ladies and gentlemen, look around you, look to your left, look to your right. This is going to be one of the last generations to willingly go in and serve the Lord in some form of church work. And I didn't think much about it. I had no idea, no radar that I wanted to go into church work at the time. I was thinking uh, military because uh, my family is very strong military. Everyone has served in the military except for uh, myself and my older brother. I'm a first-generation pastor, so you talk about new. There's no one in the family that's ever been a pastor, so I'm kind of learning as I go along and making stuff up as I go along. But the, the, the seed was planted that night, I like to tell people. It really didn't start to nurture. And uh, I, got into, I got into high school, and a couple uh, in my senior year, my parents got divorced. My mom served my dad with divorce papers a couple days before my high school graduation. And it took a while, but it really hit me, and I, I fell apart, and uh, my dad noticed it. He noticed I really had shut myself off and everything, and he's like, I want you to go talk to the pastor. But I went to talk with Pastor Trent Thompson at the time, and he, he talked me through it, and he gave me some great advice, great scripture, and he, he reminded me it wasn't my fault my parents got divorced. I did nothing wrong, because the tendency in a divorce situation is the kids blame themselves, and I did that, and he, he walked me through that. And then at the end of that conversation, he kind of hinted that he noticed I was kind of not doing much with, uh, had plans after high school. I was kind of just searching for what I wanted to do. So he, he asked me if I would want to get involved with helping with the youth program. I was working still uh, part-time as a student at, at Taco Bell. I worked very many years there. I worked about uh, 13 years for Taco Bell at different restaurants. And so I uh, started helping out with the youth. I took it was a couple of years. I kind of helped. There was a family that was running it. And so I kind of came alongside them and kind of helped them and learned from them. A couple of years down the road, they decided they wanted to uh, to stop doing the youth because it was just too much for them. They were getting it was too much time for them. The pastor Tran approached me and he asked me if I would like to take over the youth program. I thought, yeah, why not? <laughs> I've been having fun. So I decided I was leading the youth program. I was working at Taco Bell. And then Things just weren't like, I wasn't happy with where I was with work, with, with fast food. I, I knew there was something more for me. And so I decided to get myself into community college. <laughs> and so the first class I took in community college is, uh, a lot of my friends will make the joke that I started at the very bottom for community college. I took horticulture 101, lawn care and bug killing. That was my experience of college. 
And so I remember uh, coming back that first night. My dad stayed up. He's like, Ryan, how was it? I'm like, Dad, I don't want to do this. This is so stupid. I don't have a use. He's like, Ryan, just keep doing it. It'll get better. And so I, I stuck through that fall semester, got into the spring semester, and courses got better and better. And and things started to, to open up for me. And as I advanced in, in, in my community college, the time came for me to either apply for graduation or transfer. And so... Pastor uh, Trent asked me what I, what I was planning to do with all my community college. And I told him, I, I don't know. He's like, Ryan, you should think about being a, a DC, a director of Christian education. You have that gift of being able to connect with the middle school and the high school, and you like to spend time with them. I'm like, all right. I thought about it, talked with my dad about it, and uh, we, we looked at, at a couple uh, different colleges. One of them we looked at was Azusa Pacific. We got a booklet, and I kid you not, Pastor Blosky. There was a course called Ring by Spring. My dad saw that and he's like, no. Okay, no. And we put that in the trash and that was the end of that conversation. That sounds like something you, uh, that, uh, something to get married. Is that what it was? And to be married? Yeah, it was yeah. literally a course. I read the, uh, it was like, uh, how do you ring get married spring. or how have a ring of engagement by the spring? My dad was like, no, we're not. I got gotcha. you. All right. So, so what I'm hearing you say in this is that you've had several influences, um, pastor, uh, and, uh, your father, of course, too. And, and it's interesting, like you said, uh, the seed was planted, but it does take time to grow and cultivate. That's a, that's a great um, something to, for people to hear, especially in this day and age when the church is looking for pastors. You know, there may be a seed that has been planted in a person, and it's going to take years for that to cultivate and grow into. Now you're ready. So, um, well, speaking of ring by spring. Uh, something must have clicked, even if you didn't take the course, because I, I hear you recently just got married. Yeah, I've been married about a month, and uh, I'm not real good with numbers, but a month and some days, I know. So uh, I met my, my wife, Bethany. We were on Vicarage, so it was a funny, funny story. St. Lawrence, for the listeners that aren't familiar, is a huge congregation. And so uh, one of my normal duties as a vicar was to go to the hospitals on uh, Friday afternoons. So I was going out to do my hospital visits, and I think I had like six or seven visits that day. I came back, and I was just tired. I'm pulling the pastor's vehicle in the garage. There's a late, uh, girl who runs the uh, young adult Bible study, and she's waiting out in the garage, and she pops out. Oh, you must be the vicar. I'm like, uh, yes. And she's like, I want to invite you to our young people's group on Wednesday night. Like all right, well, let me see. Let me check my calendar. She's like, "Well, we're learning about we're we're studying the tabernacle." I'm like, "Ooh, that that's one of my interests is the tabernacle and the temple." And so I'm like, "All right, well, got nothing going on." So I showed up that Wednesday night, and Bethany walks in, and there's another guy named Josh. And so Bethany's last name is Hobbenstricker. Josh's uh, same last name, Hobbenstricker. So where I come from in Southern California, if two people have the same last name. They're either married or related or something. But in the Frankenmuth area, they're all related. It's cousins from like one tree or from two different tree, uh, branches or something. So I didn't think much of it. I thought, wow, they're married. That's cool. And she sat down next to me and started talking to me. And he sat on the other side of the table. I'm like, okay, this is going to be awkward. And uh, we just started talking. And uh, uh, the young adult group had a Thanksgiving meal. They had it. I hosted it at the parsonage because I was living alone at the time. I had four big, big bedrooms. So we had Thanksgiving. 
she texted me a couple days after that and asked if what I was doing on uh, Black Friday because Frankenmuth has a huge Christmas thing and they do a special tree lighting. The local churches come together and they read the Christmas story. He's like, well, you want to do something? I'm like, yeah. And at the time I was saying, oh, it's it's a friendship, you know. She, I'm making a friend on Vicarage. What Bethany doesn't know is on Friday I, uh, I rearranged my schedule because I'm a diehard Nebraska Cornhusker fan. And they play their state or in-state or out-of-state rivals, Iowa. And so I was like, all right, I'll go to the hospitals early on Friday morning, and then I'll come back and listen to the game. That was the plan. He texted me, and that all changed. She didn't know that until after we got uh, engaged. But That's awesome. We started uh, hanging out that Black Friday, and we just started to get to know each other. And we started, I guess, dating, and it just took off from there. And I asked her to marry me, and... We did she the said rough yes. Part of, yeah. <laughs> we did the rough part of being separated because I had to go back for a final year of seminary. But every chance I had, I would drive up there and surprise her and visit her. And yeah, it's just it's been I never I never saw that happening on Vicarage because there's always a the joke that you either come back with a new car, a new baby, or a new wife. New car wasn't in the finances. New baby would have got me in trouble. Yeah. Uh, new wife. Yeah. So. But. That's awesome. I, and you, I can see the hand of God in all of that. So that's that's just awesome. Um, speaking of, you went to Concordia Seminary in St. Louis and graduated this last year. Um, and so you had three years on the campus um, for classes. Favorite subjects while you were at seminary? Um, I really, well, I started out liking liking the practical theology where the rubber meets the road. But then by the end, I took I went to seminary and I took a bunch of exegetical courses to better understand the Bible. I really came to like the exegetical courses, especially the electives, because they were very interesting. Uh, I took one on the uh, uh, the inner or the uh, after the exile, because I was like going into my final year. A lot of my classmates were like they took pick classes that were you know I can only I only I'll only have to come to class you know Monday and and Thursday. I did it because I'm like, I live on campus. What what interests me? What can I take that? And I was like, ooh, after the exile. I don't know anything about what happened after the exile. So I learned that. Uh, took Revelation, uh, biblical archaeology. Uh, just I really enjoyed the variety of exegetical courses that were offered for uh, that final year. That's awesome uh, in that, like you said, the, the, ex, the um, electives. I mean, you have a core group of, of classes that you have to take. But those electives, and I think it's the same way with the professors. They have to teach them. But the electives, that's the professor's passion, I think. And I can remember that I took when I was at seminary, and I was able to take um, classes with, uh, in both Old and New Testament, exegetical classes of looking at those books of the Bible. And so it sounds like you were post-exilic. Uh, that's intertestamental period as well, but the minor prophets and things like that in Isaiah. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's just, those are, and so that, I think that's going to serve you well uh, in teaching Bible classes and making them interesting in the church. Uh, the people do have a hunger for that. I mean, we do like to know, you know practical things about what the Bible and God is saying to us, but I think they also like to dig in what did it mean for them back in the day. So that's awesome. Um, let's uh, look a little more personal in your own life. Um, we talked, I think uh, we might know the answer to some of these questions, uh, some of these people, uh, three influential people in your life that kind of impacted who you are today. 
the biggest one would be my dad. Uh, his model of serving in the military and then serving in the church really led me into the mindset of, of serving in some capacity. Didn't know at the time it was going to be a pastor. I thought it was going to be a youth leader. So I think my dad's a little, he's proud of me, but he's probably a little uh, perplexed. Like, how did he end up a pastor? So, uh, But for, for the uh, listeners that don't know, uh, one of the big reasons why I ended up as a pastor was I was all set to be a, a DCE and I was accepted to Concordia, Irvine, Concordia, Nebraska. Those are the two schools before me. I went to, I picked Concordia, Irvine and I was set to go in uh, 2015. And then that spring, suddenly my dad passed away. And, and once again, Pastor Trent came alongside and he, he was there for me and my brother. He checked on us each day, each week. Hey, you need anything? Let us know. And I'm not proud to say this, but there was a point after my dad's service, I kind of got away from the church. It was just too hard to be there. There were too many memories of growing up there with him and serving with him. And so I, I, I left the church and quit attending. And I remember Pastor Trent came over one time and he said, Ryan, whenever you're ready, we're more than welcome to have you back. He never, you know, you should come. No, he's like, you're, you're always welcome. I went back Father's Day uh, to the first time since my dad passed away. And I never left church ever since then. It's been, it's just one of the special places for me. But it was during that time of, of searching that year that I took off between, because uh, I was originally going to go to Irvine, but I deferred for a year. I kind of started thinking, I'm like, you know, Pastor Trent, he was there for me during the divorce. And then when my dad passed away, he was there more than anyone else. I mean, he was one of the I think he was the second person that morning that all unfolded. He was right there with me and my brother to helping us and, and comforting us and just being an amazing pastor. He was a major influence. And so it kind of started to rattle around, you know, maybe I should think about being a pastor. Huh? And I, I sat with Pastor Trent and he never discouraged me. The one thing he told me is I should get a hold of Irvine, Concordia Irvine and ask him, what do I need to, tr to transfer? And at the time I hadn't taken any foreign language or math because those are not my forte. And I got accepted into Concordia, Irvine, and, and off I went from there to St. Louis, to Vicarage, to now St. Matthews. So, but yeah, my dad was a major influence. Um, he spent 21 years in the military. I learned a lot from him, uh, did three tours in Vietnam. So, And then after all of his work he did for the government, he went and he, he served the church. He was an elder. He was an usher. He was a sort of being the pastor. He did he was a man of many uh, many traits, and I got to serve beside him. So the other one would probably be uh, Pastor Trent, He the, just a pastoral heart and everything. And then um, I think it would be the other uh, influence I have is one of my uh, pastors at St. Lawrence that I worked with, Pastor uh, Brad Hubbard. He carries the weight of that church, but you would never see it. He is just so personable. He's so caring, uh, knows how to connect with people. And I just, I learned a lot watching him do his, his ministry. And uh, I got to do my premarital counseling with him. And I learned a lot from him too. So it was another influence. That's great that you have that uh, mentor to to show you this is a way to be a pastor. And, and obviously the premarital counseling was very successful. And you are certainly going to be doing that as a pastor as well. But I think that it's important for people to understand that we do have these influences. Parents are a big influence. Our uh, pastors in our lives are big influences, and um, to to be aware of that. So, um, 
you mentioned that you kind of went on your first date with your now wife uh, the, at the beginning of the Christmas season. Uh, in, and Christmas in Frankenmuth is like no other place in the world. If you can go, it's wonderful to do. So do you have a favorite holiday movie? Um, and, and maybe the, we can kind of get a little insight in what that says about you. Well, I grew up in the era of the nine or the nineties with Tim Allen, so I'd have to say like the Santa Clauses because they're just fun. They're just fun. There's you can they're a good popcorn movie. You can sit there and watch them and laugh and just. I used to uh, that and uh, I grew up with the Charlie Brown Chris, the Christmas special Thanksgiving. So that one I always have to watch once a year. So uh, Christmas Story has special memories for me because my dad would always. That's my childhood, right? That's my childhood. Somebody did that. They put their tongue on a flagpole. I'm like, oh my gosh, Dad. But uh, I don't know if I have one particular movie. I do like I do like to watch the holiday movies. But I, if I had to pick one, I would say the Santa Clauses because those were the first couple are good. After that, they get kind of out of hand a little bit. Yeah, I get it. I get it. All right, so for people who are watching this that are from your church, um, they might want to know this the answer to this question. If you ha- if you could only eat one more one meal for the rest of your life, basically what would be your favorite meal? I'd like to say ham, but I've had so much ham recently from the <laughs> wedding and then from my ordination there. I'm just like, I don't know if I could do ham anymore, <laughs> but I do love ham, so okay. That's good to know. That's good to know um, because uh, when you, you're going to find as a pastor, uh, people are going to gift, uh, especially in the holidays. And uh, I think that ham may be on, <laughs> on the gift list anyway. So it's a good thing you like it. Um, the, they just have to remember, I've been living in a dorm for the last six yeah. years. So my cooking skills are, I am learning. My wife is teaching me. So <laughs> well, that's good. I, good to know that maybe somebody in your congregation has those skills as well that might take you alongside and and work with you on that as well. Uh, so now that you've completed, you've got a bachelor's degree, you've got your master's degree. Um, if someone were to ask you or they came to you and said, I'm thinking about going into the ministry, what might you tell them? What piece of advice that you might give them? Don't let the little road bumps you might have along the way stop you. There were just there were a number of them that could have derailed me along the way. Uh, one of them was first was foreign language at, at Irvine. I took Greek better than Hebrew, but Hebrew was just a disaster from start to finish. <laughs> it went off the rails real quick. And so I, I made the decision to not take it at Irvine and just take it at seminary. Uh, and just all the different things, all the little voices that tell you, no, you can't do this. This isn't good enough. Like you, you can do it. You just have to trust yourself and trust God that he's going to, you know, and there's so many times during seminary there, cause I was during the COVID era, I was trying, okay, how am I going to do this? Uh, okay. How am I going to pay for the, and everything worked out the way it did. Like just, just trust in the Lord. He, if he wants you to be a pastor, he's going to find a way to, to get you through it. And seminary is, it's intense. It's great, but it will. It, it plays with your mind at times. That you know, it makes you wonder. Even during vicarage, there were times I would sit there and I, I, you know, should I be a pastor? Am I cut out? Do I have the skills to be a pastor? I'm like, ah. But I just I continued and plotted along, and and here I am. But I would I would tell that person, you know, don't don't give up. It's so easy to, to give up, but if you give up, then you're never going to get anywhere. You're just going to be stuck where you are. So. 
Good piece of advice, yeah. And I think that's part of the process, especially in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, of our seminary process. It takes time, and so you will have ups and downs, but the long view of things. And that's exactly what Vicarage is for as well, that that intensive internship of doing things um, as a pastor, but without all the responsibilities of having of, of, of the weight of the stress of the pastoral office on you. But you get to find out what are my strengths, what are my uh, what are areas of growth. So good piece of advice. So I see behind you that you have some empty bookshelf space, and knowing you a little bit, I know that that's not uh, because you don't have any books. <laughs> but uh, do you have any three uh, up to three books that you might recommend people that would pick up? Uh, so I just recently finished Mission at Nuremberg, and that's the uh, the story of the army chaplain that was called to uh, to uh, to wit or to to minister to the Nazi criminals while they were on trial. And if your listeners have any interest in that in that period of history, it's a it's a really good book. Uh, the author I can't uh, Tim is his first name. I can't remember his last name. He does a really great job. I learned a lot about. I didn't realize that trial was unprecedented the way it was set up. It had never been done. And then when they when they called the army chaplain to be the uh, minister, that was unheard of at the same time. And what I couldn't get over is is uh, the chaplain did all that. He he shook hands, he gave communion, and some of the the some of the reaction he got coming back from our, our people in the Senate. They called him a Nazi lover. He shook hands with the enemy. It was it was it's a great book. Yeah, really great book to just it, it tells you it shows you that you know pastors don't just minister to the, the the great people they have to minister to everyone not just the 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 well but also the sick and those that uh, have perpetrated those kind of crimes um I, the other book i would recommend is uh i have the military background is we were soldiers by uh joe galloway and hal moore it's the story of of the uh the uh, first soldier, the first, uh, the uh, the airborne in Vietnam, the helicopter, and it, the movie is good with Mel Gibson, but the book captures it so much better. I would recommend if they have any interest, because you really learn about what it was like to be in that in that situation in that combat. I only I only read one book at a time because I okay. like to really enjoy it. Uh, I'm recent. I'm I'm starting the uh, Paul Meyer skeleton in God's closet, and I'm really enjoying that one. I try to mix it up. I read, you know, I've read uh, the Chaplin book that was very historical, very, uh, very drama. Like okay, now I want to read something more fun, lightning that way. Because uh, Bethany can tell you there were a couple nights I was kind of left awake after reading the uh, the Mission at Nuremberg because the way the author describes what the chaplains are seeing at the concentration camps, it was just it's it's hard to to read that and imagine seeing that and continuing to live. So I will have uh, links to those in the show notes for uh, people to check out. Um, and uh, I'll get the authors on, uh, out there for you as well. To wrap this up, um, is there anything that you wanted to wanted me to ask you, and, and, and you know, a question that you thought might be coming that I didn't get to? That would you would ask you know if there's what my family situation looked like. Sure. Is there more, yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm the youngest. I have an older brother, uh, James. He's a uh, Four years older than me. He still lives in in Southern California. I hear from him time from time. So, um, 
my dad passed away in 2015. Uh, my parents are divorced, so my relationship with my mom is, it's kind of not right. It's not there. She lives in, in Rapid City. Uh, not Like I said, not much contact. Uh, I've grown closer with my dad's side of the family, so gotten to know them. I have cousins spread out in uh, Washington, uh, Nebraska, Iowa, South Dakota. So and then I have my new extended, you know, in-laws from in the Michigan area. So yeah, you're now related to just about everybody in Frankenmuth. So as <laughs> <laughs> the case may be. Well, I do appreciate you taking the time with me, Ryan, and I pray that God will continue to bless you. I'm, I know that you are a blessing to the people that you are serving uh, in a church and to your senior pastor. I, I know that you're a blessing to him as well. Uh, and uh, I just wanted to thank you once again, joining us, giving us a little bit of a glimpse into a very new pastor. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's time for Word Reflection here on the Reflection Podcast, and I'm Ed Blonsky, and I'm a pastor at St. Matthew Lutheran in Hawthorne Woods, Illinois, and this is where Reflection is produced. And on occasion, I will ask, well, actually every week, I will ask people that are in worship, whether they are in worship uh, in person at one of our worship services or if they're online, they can also submit questions, uh, questions or comments or just insight about what they just heard in a worship service, say one of the messages from the pastors here at St. Matthew or the worship service itself. Uh, there are you know, usually several readings from the Bible and also the hymns that are, are, are sung by the people here and the songs that are sung, as well as uh, the topics that are going on. Because here in our church each week, there's usually an overall theme or a topic. Uh, and recently I had an overall theme or topic uh, in my message about making disciples and it was also wrapped up in the whole concept of the Holy Trinity now the Holy Trinity is a doctrine of the Christian Church that is as old as the Christian Church it comes from Matthew 28 19 and 20 where Jesus as all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me so go and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you and lo I am with you always to the very end of the age. So I'm going to I'm going to unpack that uh, text a little bit uh, with some comments and questions that were asked uh, at that worship service and submitted to me and that's all part of the reflection podcast. This is the word reflection part of the podcast. Let's talk about the Holy Trinity first. Uh, this is a concept uh, that is difficult to understand or to wrap our human heads and reasoning around. Uh, it is how God has revealed himself to us. There is only one God uh, in the Christian religion. There is one God, but God has revealed himself as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this is taken from the Bible, Genesis 
as, as well as John 1, Matthew 28, that I also have uh, shared with you already, and other parts of the Holy Bible, uh, talk about the different persons of the, Holy, of the Holy Trinity, God the Father. God the Father is the creator of all things, and this uh, we see in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, where God creates everything in the universe. Uh, from the biblical perspective and from my own personal uh, belief, as well as many other Christians, seven days it took. Six days of creating with one day of rest, hence the seven days of the week. And God the Father continues to sustain and provide for the creation uh, and that he continues to do every day at every moment. And so God the Father creates all things. God the Son, Jesus the Christ or the Messiah, has come to save all people from their sins. You see in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve, the first two human beings created by God the Father, have one basically law, one rule, one commandment from God. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in the day of you in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Well, they did eat of it. They succumbed to the temptation of Satan. They were given free will by God to choose to whether to obey God or not obey God. And they chose to disobey God, listening to the lies of the devil. And now God provides the forgiveness for that sin and all sin that comes from that sin through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was born on Christmas in Bethlehem to Mary to be our substitute under God's law that God has given us to obey. We can't do it, so God, Jesus does it for us. He lived perfectly, keeping that law perfectly, and he gives us his righteousness from keeping the law perfectly uh, through faith. Jesus died on the cross to forgive all the sin of all people of all time, and he rose from the dead three days later. And with the promise of his resurrection comes our resurrection. The promise of our resurrection from the grave one day. And then 40 days after that, Jesus ascended into heaven. With the promise, though, that he's going to come back and take you and me and all followers of Jesus to live in paradise forever. That's the second person of the Trinity. That's what Jesus does. He saves us. He redeems us. And then Jesus promised to send the third person of the Trinity, and that's the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is sometimes called the, um, the uh, sanctifier, the, the one who creates uh, holiness, the one who uh, sets us apart for specific purposes, holy purposes, God's purposes. And so, um, when we're looking at uh, the Holy Trinity, it is the Holy Spirit that opens our minds so that we can believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And we can come to God in repentance and receiving the forgiveness of sins that was won for us by Jesus. And so that's the Holy Trinity that Jesus talks about. We baptize in the name of the Holy Trinity and making disciples. And so, uh, what is it that we talk? What what do we mean? What do I mean when when I say we make disciples? What is a disciple, uh, especially a disciple of Jesus? Well, a disciple of Jesus is is uh, well, it's literally someone who learns from Jesus. You may have heard that Jesus was called rabbi or teacher throughout the the Bible and in many of the adaptations of the Bible that are out there, the movies and the TV shows. Uh, that that word rabbi means teacher. And, and so uh, in the first century, especially rabbis would gather 
students around themselves uh, to teach them to pass on the knowledge that they have and that those those students become disciples it's from a latin word that means a learner someone who uh, teaches a learner is someone who's teaching disciples and and so uh, jesus gives the church um, the, the the members of the church the uh, ability to make disciples by proclaiming the gospel by uh, sharing the good news of jesus and then the holy spirit works faith in that person's heart as we sow the seed of the gospel so to speak uh, and so that's what making disciples. And one of the things that Jesus, and, and there are many of them, many things, but one of the things that Jesus said is a mark of a disciple, that you would recognize a disciple uh, of Jesus, would be to forgive. To forgive. Now, in Matthew's gospel, uh, Peter is one uh, that is recorded as asking Jesus, uh, how often do I need to forgive my brother? Uh, 77 times seven times uh, thinking that that um, that would be generous to forgive someone if they committed a sin or hurt you seven times uh, and Jesus kind of um, he he gets a glint in his eye and he says no I tell you not seven but 77 or seven times seven uh, depending on how you translate your Greek there and that's a little bit above uh, my ability to uh, fully translate the Greek phrase there that uh, is recorded in Matthew's gospel but it's one of the two and so that's a, a mark of a disciple that that, that, a, that a person forgives uh, someone who has hurt them well a question was submitted to me uh, that says, uh, yeah, we're supposed to forgive as many as 77 times, but why is it so hard to forgive someone who wrongs us so deeply? Yeah, isn't that, it, 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 <laughs> to err is human and to forgive is divine is the old phrase. And yeah, to forgive someone who has hurt us, who, who uh, has hurt us so much that it just, devastates our lives it, it, it would take someone like God to forgive that person and and we're certainly not God so how do we get to that point Jesus says we should be doing this we need to be forgiving people but it seems impossible well in a sense it is on our own it's impossible nothing is impossible for God and and I know several people uh, that have been hurt deeply uh, have been hurt devastatingly uh, and they they simply cannot forgive uh, the person or the persons who have have hurt them and uh, I get that I understand you know what so does God God understands that God gets that uh, that is it is not a deal breaker with God uh, he's not telling us you know if you can't forgive them uh, then I'm not gonna have anything to do with you and so you're on your own God will never tell us that. As long as we continue to, to, to wrestle with it, as long as we continue to try and to try to sort it out and to figure out how is it that I can forgive them. Uh, there are a lot of uh, resources. Of course, the church is a huge and, and powerful resource for this, to gather together with other people. Talk with your pastor. Talk with a, a, a Christian counselor who's part of the church, uh, uh, the overall church, and maybe not your, your specific congregation or church or your parish. Uh, to, to, to just pray together, to talk to people, to have them pray for you. 
Uh, these are ways that we can get on that road of forgiving uh, someone else. Um, you know, we may never get to that point. I, I think that that's important to realize. We may never get to the point where we can forgive someone completely, at least in our mind of saying, well, then, then it's over and done with, and I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to feel this way anymore. We may never get to that point. But remember, too, that forgiveness is not the same as acceptance. Someone may have hurt you deeply. Someone may have hurt you where it's just so brutal and it's so hard to just carry on with your life. Forgiving them doesn't mean that you are accepting what they have done or that you are dismissing what they have done and that you're going to have the relationship you had with them before they hurt you. Because I think it's also true that, that someone has to be in a relationship with you to hurt you that badly. Um, forgiveness doesn't mean that it goes back to the way it was. Forgiveness means that you are simply going to no longer hold them accountable for what they did to you. You are only going to hold yourself accountable for how you're going to react to that, and how you're going to live the rest of your life with that hurt. That's what forgiveness is. It, forgiveness is. It's just cutting that off and says, I'm no longer holding you responsible for hurting me. I'm going to take responsibility and I'm going to give it to God. You may never uh, restore that relationship with them. And that's something that I think we do need to struggle with and need to come to grips with. If someone has hurt you deeply, that relationship may never be restored. Um, there may not never be a full 100% reconciliation with that. Doesn't mean you shouldn't try, but also realize that if it can't happen and if it doesn't happen, that's not a failure. That is simply, I think in a lot of ways to realize is that um, if that relationship can't be restored, uh, one of two things can happen. One, they are, they are never accepting their responsibility in hurting you. And so forgiveness comes, but um, okay, but the relationship is over and I'm not going to be around you anymore. Or a new relationship will be established. It's not going to be what the old relationship was. That, that, that was the, um, the, the predecessor to being hurt. Now a new relationship is going to occur. And you'll have to struggle and work and wrestle with that as well if you want to have that new relationship with them. But it's not required to forgive, to have a new relationship or to have any kind of relationship with them. And so I guess my, my, what I would counsel people to do is to uh, do everything you can to let it go to God. And how do you do that? You pray. You worship, you read your Bibles, you make your devotions, you, and you pray some more, and you continue to pray that it will be God that takes care of that and will no longer be your responsibility for them having hurt you. You're going to move on. You're going to move ahead, and you're going to live the life that God, that Jesus died to give you. Because remember, Jesus didn't just die to forgive your sins. Jesus died to give you new life. He says that in John 10, it's a new and abundant life. It's eternal life, yes, in heaven, but also abundant life here. A life filled to the brim with the love of God. So I, I don't know if I'm getting um, to an answer for this question of how to forgive somebody uh, fully, but hopefully you're on the path now. Uh, to, to, to finding what God's answer is for you. I would certainly tell you, continue to be in church, continue to be in the word, continue to come to the sacrament because, you know, forgiveness actually comes from being forgiven too. 
And God certainly forgives us. He offers that forgiveness to you every time you come to church, every time you come to Jesus. It offers it in confession and absolution, the absolution that's pronounced by the called and ordained servant of Christ in your, uh, in your parish, and also in the sacrament of the altar, the Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, where Jesus comes to us in his body and blood for Christians to eat and to drink for the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. Let's uh, move ahead a little bit here uh, to another. Uh, it's it's a related topic uh, to what I said earlier about uh, having the freedom of choice uh, to to uh, follow God, uh, His rules. Adam and Eve had that. Um, the question was: For a country built upon religious freedom, why have we moved so far away? And that's. Um, I think uh, part of the, the answer to that question is to know that, well, that's part of freedom. To have freedom means to have the freedom not just to do something, but to also not do something. You know, the, uh, uh, for people who have known me for a while now, you know I am a patriotic American. I love the United States. I love the Constitution of the United States, and I love the founding uh, era of the United States. And I, as I look at you uh, here today, I'm looking behind you as a bookshelf, and I've got a whole shelf dedicated to uh, history, American history, and much of it is the founding. In fact, I'm looking at half of that shelf is about the founding fathers and the founding of the con the country. The second half of that um, uh, is is mostly uh, Civil War stuff, uh, and then also into um, more uh, more modern American history uh, and presidents and things like that. The founders of the of the United States founded this country to have religious freedom. In fact, it's the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. It was so important, they made it number one, that there would be um, uh, this idea that Congress could establish no state religion and could not prohibit the free exercise of religion. Um, and so we get out of that, uh, we've, we've shortened that to say the freedom of religion. Um, and uh, the freedom of religion is to be able to believe whatever we want to believe, but it's also a freedom to not believe uh, something as well. You know, the government can't tell us what to believe. We believe on our own. And God comes to us through the scriptures. And he in influenced many of the founders with the scriptures to get to that point. Uh, but when you look at today's history uh, or the historical record for today of today uh, in the United States especially, we seem to have moved so far away from um, of religion and Christianity and other religions uh, in this country. Well, partly because we have a freedom to do so, but also because we have, uh, we, I, I think especially uh, we have walked away from uh, the God whom the founders uh, recognized as the author uh, and the originator of our rights as, uh, as citizens in this country, as human beings. Um, and so I think the question behind this question is, what can we do about it? What can we do about it? We can go back to God. We can go back to church. We can go back to the Bible. 
continue to learn and to read and to meditate and to wrestle and to worship and to sing and to receive the sacrament uh, when appropriate and to receive the forgiveness forgiveness of our sins and to live as disciples of Jesus strengthened by in our faith through worship and being together with brothers and sisters in Christ uh, in a Christian church and, and I think that will go a long way uh, to uh, this country getting back to its roots getting back to its foundations in that way um, one of the things also that I, I touched on briefly is that God will, uh, Jesus will always be with us. That's in Matthew 28, 20. Uh, and, and so uh, there was a, a psalm that we read uh, recently in our worship services here at St. Matthew, Psalm 139. So I'll give you a moment if you got a chance to open up to Psalm 139. Uh, uh, you got a Bible app. Uh, I love to use YouVersion or Bible Gateway. One, either one of those apps work really, really well on your phone, your tablet, your computer. Uh, I also happen to have actually a Bible. This is my, uh, my, my pulpit Bible, and it's the ESV version. So I'm going to be reading from that. Psalm 139, and I'm going to start at verse 7. Okay, so Psalm 139. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning, you are there. And dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. Your translation of the Bible may be slightly different, but that, that, that's the concept that Jesus picks up on in Matthew 28. No matter where we go, there is God. We can't go anywhere that God will not be able to be with us. Uh, we can try to hide from God, but he'll find us. And we can feel like God is not there, feel lonely, feel um, isolated, feel uh, 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 that, uh, that there's nobody else around, not even God. The Bible clearly states that's not true. He is there with you. Now, he may be silent for a time. And that's, uh, a lot of times I think that's to get our attention, um, that, that God um, becomes silent so that uh, we'll become silent. Uh, you know, you, you ever been where uh, you've been in a really noisy place and all of a sudden it gets really quiet? Doesn't that get your attention? I mean, you can be in a really noisy restaurant, right, uh, for example, and then all of a sudden uh, something will happen and the noise will just go away. And the, the, the silence is what we call deafening, right? And that catches your attention. Oh, what happened? What's going on? Did somebody come in? I think that's a lot of the reason that God uh, becomes silent for us, is to get our attention. And I was reading recently uh, in my uh, Getting Through the Bible in Two Years program, uh, uh, 1 Kings uh, 19, uh, and uh, the story of Elijah. And Elijah felt alone. Elijah felt isolated. Uh, he felt like there was no one else uh, that was around to help him, not even God. And so he goes down to the mountain of God. And uh, there was a fire. There was a whirlwind. There was, uh, you know, just this great wind. Uh, and, and then it was quiet. And then there was a, a low whisper, as it says in the... Um, uh, one version of the Bible, uh, a still small voice in another version of the Bible. And that got Elijah's attention, and then God was there. God was in the, the, the whisper, the low whisper. And so I think that um, that is Jesus is with us wherever we go, yeah, uh, in the, even in the silences. That's to get our attention. And the question that was followed up then on, on that was, how do you feel the presence of Jesus more often? Now, I'm going to say something that you probably expect a pastor to say. Go to church. 
<laughs> I mean, they don't. They, they do tell me to say that in in, in pastor school, of course. Uh, uh, but it really is true. Uh, I know it sounds trite. It sounds cliche, but it really is true. Go to church, Be, especially a church that reads the Bible. You know, a church that will that you'll hear God's word. In. You'll hear it from uh, the lectern, the readings. Uh, in our particular uh, church, uh, in, in many of our services, we have three readings. Uh, an Old Testament reading, uh, a New Testament reading that isn't a gospel, and then a New Testament reading that is a gospel. And uh, we'll always have at least one Bible reading in our church. So that's one way you feel the presence of Jesus. You go to church and you hear the Word of God. And if you uh, go to a church that is a sacramental church, that be- that believes in using the sacraments as given to us by God in my particular church, the Lutheran church, there are two, uh, the sacrament of baptism and the sacrament of holy communion. Uh, and sometimes actually we consider the sacrament of absolution, uh, where you confess your sins and Jesus forgives your sins through the pastor. That gets you closer to Jesus as well. That's where how you feel the presence of Jesus, especially the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, where we believe, teach, and confess that in, with, and under the bread and the wine is the body and blood of Jesus. It is Jesus himself. Because you think about it, you are where your body and blood are, right? You kind of have to be. Same thing with Jesus. He is where his body and blood are. And when you're taking the sacrament in faith, you're receiving Jesus. He can't get much closer to you than that, this side of heaven. So that's how you feel the presence of Jesus. So I'm going to wrap things up here. Uh, We're coming quickly to the end of our time today uh, for word reflection. I'm so thankful uh, that you have joined me today. Uh, in, and, and remember that in this podcast reflection, not only do I, um, I, I talk and have a conversation with someone whom God has uh, equipped to make a difference in the people's lives and how they reflect God in their own lives to the people of the world. Also, uh, when I have time uh, in today's episode, I did have this extra time to, to reflect on God's word. And so I, I look forward to your comments, your questions, um, and that you can submit. You can submit these to us. You can email to us. And I'll, uh, here's an email address that you can use uh, to send um, uh, your emails, your comments to us. There's also, if you're wa- uh, ha- uh, watching this like on a YouTube channel, or on a Facebook page, there's comments in the post, uh, a section for chat, things like that. You can make comments like that uh, and do that. Uh, so go ahead and email us uh, at this email address and uh, uh, submit your questions, your comments. You can join us here at St. Matthew uh, and uh, all our services are streamed live uh, on our website. Um, We connect through our website to our YouTube channel. That's uh, also where you can find us. And if you are a user of Facebook, you can uh, find our, our, our services are streamed live on Facebook as well. And those services are streamed uh, on Sunday mornings at 8 and 1045. Um, during the, the um, part of the year, like September through May, uh, they are streamed on Saturdays at 4 o'clock. And then from June, July, and August, they are streamed on Thursdays at 7 o'clock. And starting in September through May, we also have Bible studies. Uh, we have a men's Bible study on Saturday mornings that's streamed live. We have uh, a regular uh, adult Bible study on, on Sunday mornings about 9, 15, 9, 
9.30, I think, is, is somewhere in that area. Uh, after 9.15, you can start to uh, pick up the stream uh, for our, our Sunday morning Bible study. And there is actually a ladies' Bible study as well. But it is a closed Bible study because the ladies like to be able to talk. And so you have to register for that Bible study. And again, you can email us. Uh, I've got that email address at the bottom of the screen. You can email us uh, and uh, register, ladies, for that Bible study. Uh, it is streamed live, but it's a closed stream uh, for that. It's um, um, just for the ladies so that they have uh, that safe place to be able to discuss and meditate on God's word with an incredible Bible study leader. Uh, it is my wife, by the way, uh, and she is an incredible Bible study. She's been teaching Bible studies now for, oh my gosh, uh, I just had to think about that for a second. She's been doing it for over 40 years. And she is just, so she's been doing it since she was a little girl and uh, been doing a great job. So join us for that and email those in. Okay, so I'm going to wrap up word reflection today. I am so thankful that you joined me today. And uh, join us again next time. Share this, please, with someone else as well. And rate it also uh, wherever you're catching your podcast. We'd love to have you uh, get this out to other people. So again, Word Reflection coming to an end today. Send those comments and questions in. And I do appreciate it. And we will see you next time. I hope you enjoyed today's reflection. Reflection is a weekly podcast produced by St. Matthew Lutheran Church in Hawthorne Woods, Illinois. You can connect with St. Matthew Lutheran by going to our website, www.stmats.net. That's www.stmatts.net. And if you find yourself in the northwest suburbs of Chicago, we would love to see you at one of our services or events here at St. Matthew. We are located in Hawthorne Woods, about one hour northwest of downtown Chicago, and just a half hour's drive from O'Hare Airport. You can also find us on our Facebook page, YouTube channel, and on Instagram. Our podcast music was provided by thepodcasthost.com and Alitu, the podcast maker. Find your own free podcast music over at thepodcasthost.com slash free music. I'm Ed Blonsky, and thank you for joining me today. Please rate and review the show and share it with others. And join me again next time for more Reflection.